Hello and welcome to another edition of the North Lot Podcast. I am your host, Chicago Fire Editor and Hot Time in Old Town, Ruben Tish. And joining me as always is my great and wonderful co-host, RJ. RJ, how are you doing? Pretty good. Yourself? I'm good. I played golf today. Golf? Uh, like actual golf or mini golf? No, like actual golf. Oh, okay. How was that? Yeah. It was good. Uh, I played about probably as best as i've ever played uh i mean i played um from age five to about you know at mid 20s and then i stopped for a while but now i've picked it up again because it's like one of the very few like sports you can play while social distancing okay and i've never been a fan of tennis i've only done mini golf up in wisconsin mm -hmm. dells whenever i'm up there so that's fair. So I, I, yeah, I started playing golf again. Uh, I need the exercise, and it gets me outside, and it's good. Uh, speaking of being outside, we have soccer to talk about. Um, and RJ, uh, I'm going to ask you a pretty open-ended question to start this podcast off, and we'll get into you know specifics and and stuff later, like we usually do. But what the heck is going on with the Chicago Fire? It's the Chicago Fire. That's my answer. That's the answer to everything whenever something happens. But I mean, like everything, like it's, it's the frustrating thing is it's, it's new, right? Like everything's new. Even if we don't like the logo, new logo, new primary color scheme, new manager, new um, general manager, new players. And yet, they still find a way to go uh, one. What are they? One, two, and two over the last five games, something like that. They still find they still find a way to come away with a less than five hundred record at a time where you'd think this team would be better based on the talent it has. There's no logical explanation. I mean, there there really isn't. I mean, I know that seems like a really lazy answer, but like for for the past two games, th- this team on paper should be dominating, you know, relatively, you know, loop-sided Eastern Conference right now. And I, I know we've said that in the past, but this is an actual team that could go out there and dominate. It's not filled with, you know, a bunch of rejected... 36-year-old strikers. Um, I just... It's it's weird. Um, you know, we, we've given them excuses such as it's a new team, you know, the pandemic, you know, new coaching staff and everything, but, you know, these many games in and they're still not clicking, some, something must be happening. Um, yeah. Uh, I agree, and and I think we'll get to that answer as we go along, because I've got another question for you. Something I've been thinking about since uh, the game on Sunday. Is Robert Barrett a bust? Like, is that is it too early to say he's a bust? Because I, I, like, I'm teetering on the edge of calling him a bust. 
you know, because, yeah. I think I'm still, you know, hopeful for Barrage. I think a lot of a lot of folks, especially on um, on the hashtag, uh, you know, when when he first scored that goal against Seattle, quickly said, you know, he's better than Nikolic. And I, I think a lot of folks just got hyped up on Barrage, but you know, looking at his stats, you know, prior uh, for him joining the fire, you, you can already tell that. You know, this guy's only going to score like 10, 15 goals at most. He's not going to be a golden boot winner. So my expectations for him from the very beginning weren't that high. Um, I I think that he was going to be a good player. That's about it. So um, do I think he's a bust? No, he isn't. I think he's just living up to, you know, reality. Um, That's fair. Uh, but then, you know, we say that, but like, it's clear from Sunday that the team plays better when Elliot Collier, of all people, is your starting striker. And like, I've defended Elliot Collier as kind of like a meme, like, He's Elliot Collier was the picture of for our man of the match poll. Like I put him as the picture of yeah. the man of the match <laughs> poll on that time because I thought it would it, it it amused me. You know, I thought it would be like a funny thing, right? Like let's put Elliot Collier in the picture or whatever. Uh, it has since been changed with the you know actual sort of man of the match uh Gaston Jimenez who by the way is very good and I think is probably of the major signings we'll call them uh he's probably the best one um but back to Barrage versus Collier the team played better when Collier was on the field I think and... I think Collier had something to prove though Well even so right like just uh, you know, say what you want about his technical ability, which even I'll admit he, he has good work rate. He, he has he has um hashtag passion. Um, you know, you know. I, I, mean, I like, want him to succeed. It's just that, yeah, the fire did play relatively well until they started conceding goals. I, I think I mean, if Barrett was out there, it would have been the same story. But I mean. Specifically, Collier, he gets himself into spots that gives him an opportunity to write checks his technical ability can't cash. Like, he gets into really good spots and he's just not good enough to take advantage of them, but at least he's getting himself into those spots, which is not something you can say about Robert Barrage. I don't know if he just doesn't understand what's going on, like what his role is supposed to be. And if that's true, he should watch Collier's game tape and be like, this is what you need to do. What Elliot Collier is doing. Those spots are where you need to be. That movement is where you need to be. And then you can take advantage of the fact that you are a, you know, good technical player and maybe do something with those spots 
balls that Collier can't because Collier's not technically good enough to do stuff with them. You know, I just but is. I just YouTubed um Collier highlights and I was hoping for some techno euro trash music accompanying it, but I can't seem to find any videos. So no, hey, that's good. So uh, uh what's Barrich gonna watch then? No, just like yeah, the game I'm, tape I'm, from I'm kidding, yeah. I'm kidding. I know you're kidding. But like <laughs> like watch Collier shift and like those positions that work right, that's what Barrich needs to do. And if and, and people are like, well, Barrich didn't get the same service that Collier did, which is true, but that's because Barrish was wasn't in a position to get the service. Like you've got to put yourself in positions for the wingers to be able to get you the ball. You know what? I think Barrich played better when Sapong was out there. I I know in earlier episodes we said that um, Barrich and Sapong can't play together, but I believe Sapong does help out Barrich out there. I'd, at this point, I'd rather see Sapong up top with Herbers out wide. Like that. Like at this point, this is where I'm at with Robert Barrett. I, 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 I'm. I don't know if he can do the job, and I'm, I'm questioning whether or not. Like, I said this when they signed him. His numbers didn't look like a guy who's going to go out there and 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 score goals and and it's proven that you know he's not a goal scorer he is michael delu without the work rate which is just kind of bad you know what i mean um yeah, i know what you mean um yeah and he's got and, and 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 the shame of it all is barrett has better players around him than delu ever did let's be real uh, with while Delu had um, David Akam with him. Like, who else? Like, who was on that right side, right? Like, after Patrick Niako left, uh, between Niako and the racist who shall not be named. For, I mean, uh, for a brief moment, John Goosens. Right. Like, we're talking about, like, John Goosens and, you know, and even going back further, fucking Joel and Pear. <laughs> at the end of his career and it's like Rosvon and then Kocic you know played on the right Ra- time Rosvan Kocic was the best midfielder on that team which tells you how bad the midfield on that team was um but like i, I, I it's on for me it's on Barrett to get himself into positions to succeed and he's not working hard enough to do that and i that's the bottom line for me Yeah, and um, the next game is against Crew, which is you know right. And, I, I and think the next Barrett, game... you know, if he should have shined against Cincinnati both times, but we'll see. But no, Fabian Herbert's got the goal. You know what I mean? Like, and let's talk quickly about Fabian Herbert, who we've given a lot of stick uh, since he got here a couple of years ago. Um. I think he finally but, fought, though. I, I've, I've said this in previous episodes. Like, Herbers just needs to find that sweet spot. And he's finally found it. 
or the well, we, staff has finally found it. I'm sorry. Herbers is not a good passer of the ball. We know this, and I think they know it, which is why they've started when he's in the game, they sort of push him higher. So you're like playing half a 4-2-3-1 and half a 4-3-3 because you've got Herbers pushed higher up the field than Frankowski, who's on the other side. Um, so it's actually more like a like a, a lopsided 4-4-2 in that respect. But the point I'm making is Herbers needs to play by the goal and he needs to put shots on goal because, you know, they're going to go in. Uh, Herbers has proven that he can score. Um, and, and I'm I'm happy for him and I'm glad he's starting to figure it out. You're right. They've they figured out what to do with him. That's not have him be as much a distributor as a guy who can finish off plays. I also do want to give a shout out to Sekulich. I think he's very underrated. Um, he plays quietly. He's not. It's interesting because I've also thought about this. Um, Sekulich is playing a position where, in relatively recent history, where the Fire's best player has been which is right back, right? So Matt Polster and um, God, who's the right back before Matt Polster? But, you know, Polster's enough of a, of a good player to be like, oh, and yes, he played sort of in a CDM in like a diamond 4-4-2-ish. That's where he's playing with New England. Who was right back before um, Polster? I'm going to look this up really fast. Yeah, look that up real fast. Uh, but... Palmer. Oh, yeah, 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 Palmer, who was also pretty good. Uh, Lavelle Palmer. And, and Stephen Kinney was his backup. <laughs> right. But, like, Lavelle Palmer was also good, and then Matt Polster was also good. So we're, like, we're looking at, um, you know, like, the place where your best player, arguably, on the team has been, right? So, but he plays a nice, quiet right back. He gets forward some. Um, but he he's generally in the right positions defensively. He's a decent tackler. I I I I'm not freaking out when he's one on one. I think he's he's just like Kapelhoff. He's he's silent out there. He does his job well. Yeah, and... that, exactly. He is silent out. Boy, I can't I can't wait till Johan Kapelhoff is back. Well, there's only one game left. Well, we're we're supposedly getting phase two schedule the next six games at some point this week. Um, so keep your eyes peeled to the Hot Time Social, mine and uh, Patrick McCraney's social, uh, and uh, Hot Time when we know about the schedule, and we'll. Uh, so that's sort of coming earlier this week. But yeah, uh, hopefully he's back by stage two of the season because um, they really need him. Um, the first goal that Kansas City, uh, Kansas City that... Uh, uh, Bunbury. 
Yeah, that Bunbury scored. That's why I said Kansas City because, like, I still think of Teal. Like Teal Bunbury has been on New England, the New England Revolution, longer than he was with the Sporting Kansas City Wizards. But I'll always think of him as playing for KC because of how um, dynamic he was during the um, of how dynamic he was before his knee surgery. Um. And I always sort of thought that they should hit, play him up top instead of Kai Kamara because as good as Kai Kamara was, he was also a bit of a doofus. And Kansas City might have been better off without him. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, that, what is Francisco Calvo doing? Um, once again, Francisco Calvo is the guy who you know, essentially costs you points. Because that second goal by Bunbury, you can't really do anything about because that was just like a fluke thing. But like, first of all, why is Calvo giving the ball up so easily and then not tracking back after he gives it up? And secondly, do you think Bobby Shuttleworth should have had that? Because I do. I thought that was bad goalkeeping by Shuttleworth as well Um, on the first goal. I, I I want to blame it more on Calvo than Shuttleworth, but yeah, he could sure. he could have saved it, but I think it all boils down to Calvo. He's not like we had this discussion. Was it three or four episodes ago about why Calvo is the captain? Um, and you you made. A point about how he's a good leader or whatever, you know, off the field and and stuff. But you can't lead and do stuff like that. I think him being the captain is even more of a joke now than it was, you know, a month and a half ago or whatever. And... I, I don't know how there isn't anybody else worthy of the armband. I mean, there were there were talks of Kappelhoff being captain, but I think he denied it. Yeah, I don't think he wanted it, which is a shame. Um, look, just give it to give it to Jimenez. Uh, just give it to Gaston Jimenez. There, he's your captain. He's the best player on the team. He is leading the team by example out on the field. He's playing extremely hard, and he's he's unbelievably good. I think. I think either Jimenez or Sekulich. Sure, um, but I mean, like, if there's one bright spot, it's on this team. It's Gaston Jimenez's performance. I think. Um. So, let's talk big picture uh, a little bit. Let's zoom all the way out. Um, the results haven't been good. But I think the performances have. Like, there's like they've been in pretty much every game except the game against Columbus, right? Uh... They had a, they had 
obviously they probably should have beaten Cincinnati on the road and didn't. That's not good. But they were in control of that game. Uh, obviously they beat Cincinnati in their home opener, three to nothing, in in what was quite frankly an embarrassing performance by Cincinnati. Uh, and in the three-one game to New York, they played well for about an hour, hour and five minutes, and then the wheels sort of fell off against the NYCFC. I mean, um, it's all reminiscent of last season, though. I mean, the Fire were good; they just couldn't perform or finish when it mattered. And, and despite them being good, that's that's still not enough. No, it isn't. And and that's a shame is that it's another year uh, without a goal scorer. Because even if they would have drawn against New England Revolution, I I, I think I would have still counted that as a failure. Because it's at home? I mean, it's not just because of that, just because of the way how they, you know, like what you said, how they performed out there. Sure. And and against, you know, Cincinnati, sure. the draw was also a failure in my eyes. And and right. even with the three like three oh win against Cincinnati at home, you know, anything less than five goals during that game, you know. Is suspect. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but like the New England the New England game it feels bad because it just it literally just happened. Um, but like besides the giveaway and I'm, I I understand and I'm going to try and be Mr. Sunshine for a moment. Um, the second goal was an absolute fluke. Oh, that was was just a worldie. I, no, it was totally a fluke. It was a cross that the wind sort of got a hold of and then the wind pushed it into the net. It was amazing. (laughs) I, I I, burst it out laughing. I was like. That's what I did. Yeah, I, I basically I couldn't not laugh at it. But like, aside from that, you know, there are two main threats in Gustavo Bo and Adam Books that did basically nothing that entire game. Credit where it's due, this team essentially shut down New England's two best players. Uh, Teal Bunbury just you know, had a throwback night. And if Teal Bunbury is going to play like that, hats off to him. Um, but you don't expect a, a vintage Teal Bunbury performance anymore because of the knee surgeries, because of, you know, he's getting up there in age. You don't expect him to play like he played. So that was a nice surprise for the Rebs. Um, but like, other than that, the Rebs basically did nothing. That entire game, they did nothing. And the Fire should have won because they, they they should. There was that Collier header that Matt Turner made, like that diving stop on that header from point blank, which is unfortunate because Collier did deserve a goal. I thought that didn't go in. Um, there was that Gaetan... Or not Gaetan, that uh, uh, Madron goal or ball right at the end, the last kick of the first half that missed going in by something like four inches. Uh, 
So like, there's a little bad luck there. I I actually think they played really well against New England. They did a play bar... well, but it's just like I said, it's yeah, not enough. And I think that's just the common theme of what's going to happen, you know, for future games unless something happens. Is they're good, but they're not good enough. Yeah. Um. What if CJ Sapong comes back and is your starting forward? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. What was that? Uh, what if CJ Sapong comes back and is your starting forward? That's fine. Um. I I think earlier, you know, I I do agree that I'd rather have Sapong play ahead of Barrich, but at the same time, I, I think if Sapong plays with Barrich, um, you know, something good will happen. I, I think those two work together well. Man, you were so down. And it's like, I'm trying to not be so down about this. But... <laughs> I mean, it's hard to be positive. I mean, I, I do want them to succeed. I, I do want to, like, I do want to, like, you know, meme around. Uh, I, I miss those days. Well, but... 2017 was such a long time. 2017 was such a good year. Um, I felt like we were on top of the world. Well, we're fighting for the supporter shield. Yeah, but... I mean, yeah, I may seem down, but I still... I still want them to succeed. I'm just, you know, being realistic right now. Sure. Um, let's talk about Saturday. It's on national television. You're playing arguably the best team in MLS. Uh, they also beat FC Cincinnati 3-0 at home and then drew at Nip- drew 0-0 at Nippert Stadium. So we've got that in common. They also lost to NYCFC, like the Fire did. Uh, their one game, instead of New England, they played Philadelphia. They beat Philadelphia. So, if the Fire win, then they basically had the exact same, bar one game, they had the exact same six-game stretch as the best team in the league. How about that? How about, how about that for some... Some analysis, some MLS math. How about that? They're just as good. As, if they beat Columbus on Saturday, they're just as good as Columbus. Yeah, How about that, that? that's. I mean, that's that's soccer Twitter logic. Um, if you beat a team, that be another team, then you're technically better than those two teams. Right. Exactly. See. Uh, seriously, though. Uh, can we expect something different from this team against Columbus? Um. Have they learned anything from the three nil dis- destruction? Depending the, on the roster, yes. I I think it would be really foolish to play Collier against Columbus. Um, uh, that's probably true. They would quickly shut that... down Collier. Um, uh, uh, hopefully, Sapong would be you know match ready by then. Um. I, I don't know. I, you know, I I could forgive the fire losing against, you know, the revs, but not another loss to the crew, please. Twitter demands that they win. Um, 
I think it could be better. Like the way they shut down Bo and Buxa will help them against um, Zardes, I think. Um, because Zardes is good. He did. He got two. Um, against uh, Cincinnati. Um. I think Nagby is going to be a problem. Um, I think it, it's also hard because, like, they've got Fernando Adi coming off the bench, you know. And, and and what are you supposed to do if you worked hard to shut them down and it's zero zero, and they bring in like, you know. And they bring in Fernando Adi off the bench. He's just going to, you know, is just going to come in and get at least one good chance. Um, I don't know. I, I'll have to keep thinking about it from the pre, when the preview drops on Friday about what I'm, how I think this is going to go. Um, but right now I'm, I'm pretty 50, 50 at the moment. Um, yeah, same here. Like I said, depending on who they play and depending on people are lighting off fireworks right now. So I'm sorry if you hear that. Um, Must be somebody's birthday. I'm so sorry. Um, Just go with it. You explained what it was. Anyway, I mean, yeah, just depending on what happens. um, Hopefully Grant Willard gets a start and scores an own goal. Let's hope, right? Um, I was actually thinking yeah. that Pulsar might score a goal. Um, um, he, but he's playing defensive. He was never really that forward. He wasn't. He was. He was. Yeah, he was playing in the mid. So that's why I thought. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think that we'll do it unless you have some nonsense kicking around in your head. You want to get. You want to get out. Now's the time. Um. No, I I really don't. No? Um, I mean, I've I've played some old FIFA games and just saw some classic fire rosters, which brought me a lot of some nostalgia. What's your favorite? What is your favorite fire roster in a FIFA game? Um. So I guess, I guess this is I would, I would what's your favorite fire roster period but like to play it specifically to play as in FIFA it, it's a terrible roster but um FIFA 2015 since I've spent a lot of time with that really yeah and that was like the most like dunk roster out there you had you had like Cyrus you had Matt Watson you had Chris Riddier. Um, Yo, Chris Ritter's my dude, man. I'm sorry, but he, it's just that I've um I've I I have FIFA 2015 for my Vita and I used mm-hmm. to well I still commute, but um I would play it whenever I would commute going to school at Columbia. So I spent a lot of time with FIFA 2015 and you know how the blue line gets delayed every other stop, so I've 
yeah. that that roster I know off the back of my head. What about you? Uh, personally, I love. Well, I mean, my favorite FIFA is FIFA 12, regardless of whether or not I'm playing the fire. Um, but I do love the 2012 fire roster. Um, you know, Arna Friedrich, um, Dominic Oduro, Marco Papa, Chris Rolf, Austin Berry, <laughs> Austin, dude, Austin Berry is like Dan Gargan. Austin Berry is unfortunate, I'll say. Yeah. Um, he got screwed over. He did a little bit. He went to Korea for a while and played in Korea, but like, like he what like Arna Friedrich. He wasn't good without Arna Friedrich. Uh, he really wasn't. Oh, who, who else was on there in 2012? Um, Alex, I've rated, I yeah. rated him so Alex, much. Alex, Alex Montero de Lima, my guy. Uh. Th- also, this team has a place in my heart because this is the, like the first team that I really covered from the beginning of the season. Uh, I I came to Hot Time in 2011, like mid partway through the season in like June or whatever, when I got home from uh, the University of Missouri. Uh, the year I dropped out. Um. And this was like my first team from the beginning of the season onward. Uh, oh yeah, Guillermo Franco. This was the season they signed Guillermo Franco for like the last twelve games of the season. And uh, Marco Papa left in the middle of the season to go to uh, where did he go? He went to uh, Heronveen. Uh, and uh, that was interesting. He wanted out in the middle of a playoff run. Uh, but yeah, that was my favorite team. 2012. 2012 was a fun roster of guys, and you know, I got I got to know him pretty well. Classic MLS. Cla- Dude, this is a classic MLS team. Wells Thompson was on this team. Uh, this was the year of Sergio McDonald. Uh, oh, Hunter Jumper. Oh, let's not talk about Hunter Jumper, please. I just like his name. Uh, let's not talk about Hunter Jumper, please. Pretty please. Let's not do that. In fact, since you brought him up, we're going to end the show. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the North Lot Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, 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 Twitter at North Lot Pod. Email us, North Lot Podcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us where all podcasts are listened to. So, like Google Podcasts, uh, uh, the Apple Store. You can find us on iTunes, in fact. Uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, we are on the 
Pocket Casts app, which is what I use to listen to podcasts. Uh, and um, basically anywhere. Po- if 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 we are not on your podcast app of choice, uh, drop me a DM on Twitter at Ruben Tish, and we'll see about getting it on there. Um, set up a ham radio and just <laughs> set up a ham radio and join our Zencaster. Uh, anyway, uh, that is it for us. We will see you probably next week after the fire of Columbus game. See you then. Hopefully with a win.